Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. From the BOD studio, it is playing and slaying. How was that one? Yeah, a little amped up. Yeah, I see Bob Barker like down front. <laughs> the lights twinkling. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight on the game show episode, <laughs> where I will talk like a game show uh, announcer, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, uh, what we've been hobbying and, and purchasing, and then some other Kickstarter goodness and. A few other things that we want you to know about. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of time to talk about my trip to Origins Game Fair in Columbus, Ohio, um, a week or so ago at the time of recording. And then uh, for our main topic tonight, we're going to do a resurrection review. We're going to go to the, uh, the mass grave that is the game closet in the basement of death, take something out that hasn't seen the light of day in at least a few years, and uh, kick the tires on it, see if it holds up or if it belongs back in the grave. So tonight, that resurrection review, our first one in our new segment. And if it's terrible, we might never do it again. <laughs> but if uh, people like it and we enjoy it, maybe we'll get this into the rotation. Um, we're going to take a look at Lords of Waterdeep, um, the worker placement hybrid Ameritrash Euro game. It's a Euro Um, in disguise. But yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that in in our main topic. So before we get too far into the the meat and potatoes of the show, we should talk about our beverage accompaniment. Josh, what is in your glass tonight? Well, because I want Ben Weiss to love me, I have a Moscow mule. So you're catering to uh, one of the listeners? Indeed, indeed. Nice. Yep. Nice, Ben. This this mule is for you. This mule's for you. Troy, how about you? What uh, what's going on there? Uh, so I have this. Uh, I think I don't know where I grabbed this. Was uh, from Brenner Brewing Company. It's just called Three. There's like nothing on the label or yeah. You know, so the kind of the trick. label is a weird picture. There's no description. There's no. It's it's, it's triangles. It's very and ge- geometric. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And shading and gradients and things. It's yeah. And it's a super sour, I'll say. Uh, yeah. three is a three sour beers blended in equal parts. One aged in Cabernet, barrels for three years, one aged in a brand new orc orc. Wow. An orc barrel? An orc I don't know barrel. what an orc barrel is. Or an oak barrel. <gasps> oak. That's the one. An oak folder? What's a folder? Anybody know? We'll have to look up uh, a folder. For two years. Efforting. And one aged in a regular, I don't know what a folder is, F-O-E-D-E-R. <laughs> I don't even know what that is for six months. You beer guys should know what that is. No idea. I don't know, but it's really, really good. There's a whole lot of stuff going on in when that hits your, your tongue. So, 
Yeah, I'm a sour guy. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's very really good. good. I'm gonna have to. I just picked up a couple of one of those make your own sixes because mm-hmm. I'm always like trying a bunch of different beers. Mm-hmm. But I think I'll go back for a full. All right, full sixer of that. It's awesome, Tyson. What are you drinking? So it, it's summer. It we're, is. we're officially in summer now at the time of recording. So I'm having my summer cocktail, mm-hmm. which is a uh, Tito's and soda with a slice of lime. And, and you know that's kind of going off of uh, Big John's theory. Uh, to have a summer drink mm. and a winter drink. So yes, I, this is most mm. certainly my I'm my summer fan. beverage. I'm a fan. And uh, this uh, this Tito's was a slightly heavier pour. Um, so I'm <laughs> well, it came from the big handle. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I lost track. I it's a bigger I was bottle. Distracted. Um, but it's it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Now, recently, it looks like Troy's been doing a lot of playing. Uh, so certainly, we're going to start with you, Troy. What? Um, what does this hear about the nail in the coffin for vampire what, hunters? Um, what well, wasn't like a nail in the coffin? Just uh, <laughs> what came? I'm trying to think. The other day is the second wave of zombicide green horde showed up at their doors. Open that up, and a whole bunch of goodness, including the I can't think what they're dra- the, the feral dragon, feral dragon, and a bunch of other heroes and some. So we all John came over. And I'm like, we're going to play this. He hadn't played Green Horde, because I, I think we had played a couple of times, but he actually hadn't played. So, hmm. like, we're playing Green Horde, and we're just going to add. We added as much, like, we're going to play with the dragon. I think there was a vault uh, vault beast or something we added in there. So, a couple extra the trebuchet. bad guys. We had the trebuchet on the board. Um, and then we just played a, a scenario where I think you had to get through the city and break the dam. And then you shot the trebuchet to break the dam and it flooded the city and then you won okay so it was actually a fun scenario not super long uh, and play that so and we played all new i think all expand in the end we ended up just playing we noticed after the fact we played expansion characters i think we played six and and just had a blast and we never we finished a lot we got through a lot on blue and the dragon doesn't come out on blue which saved us because we would have as we got to the end to win the dragon was actually going to show up and we were we actually then, after the fact, just played with the dragon because we're like, we got to see his rules and how he's just, he just basically is going to wipe out whole sections of the board when he shows up. So it's kind of, I think it's going to, it's fun to have it. How big is the model? I haven't opened uh, the box up yet. It's is about it? maybe seven or eight inches tall. So it's, it's by the time you put the wing, wings on them. Yeah. Okay. And really nice model. John's actually going to, he took it, I gave it to him to I magnetize the wings. Oh, cool. Undo it because it otherwise it'll probably be a you know monster to try and store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's just much better at magnetizing than I am. I'm like, I could either spend a couple hours or John will knock it out. And, that that could that be part. what motivates me to paint the zombies for um, Black Plague yeah, to like just get through and get the the orc zombies painted. Yeah. And it, and what so after the fact, I kind of got we got done and we're like, I'm like, all right why was this a blast and then vampire hunters was eh. <laughs> right and so that just kind of that's why i said kind of nail in the coffin i think I, we got done with that and we had so much fun and i'm like all right yeah i'm this is the game that's gonna hit the table if you're looking for vampire hunters <laughs> contact yeah. troy at let me know yeah i already was starting to pack it up and figure out how the, i put that thing eBay listing eBay. is open mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. by the time you hear this it probably will be out there so. <laughs> Um, and again, not, I mean, that game has a lot of things going to it, but it was just the amount of fun we had with with um, Zombicide and with cool. Black Plague. And, you know, now this kind of, and I think that's the way we're all, 
I, I don't say, you know, experienced zombicide players, especially Black Plague, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the stuff where to have fun for us now is to add in all this extra stuff and then just kind of have fun with it and really make it challenging because the stuff in there, like if that dragon were to come out, it was going to be a nightmare. Um, to, but that's what made it fun. That's what makes it fun. So Very cool. So I, and yeah, all the, all the, all the, the uh, models are just tremendous. You know, it's so cool. So definitely a painting project. They, too. they continue to knock it out of the park. And I think that that's a big part of why I keep buying because the models and the, the rule, I mean, at, at its heart, zombie side, black plague, green horde with a few rule changes that each expansion brings out is base zombie side. I right. mean, yeah. reskin it, redo it, but they continue to deliver a, a just a, a great looking product and add just enough to keep it unique and interesting and i keep coming back i mean when i think about the the expansions to zombie side that i have all of them black plague that i have all of the expansions i mean we're we're talking like four or five six seven kickstarters now Mm -hmm. or six kickstarters i don't know Maybe at least six. What, yeah, at least six. Five, like, yeah. When is your zombies in space coming? I, it's not. I'm out. Oh. <laughs> I'm out. But somebody at the somebody here in the studio uh, is in. We found that out. Try, right. try. <laughs> yeah, it might. We'll 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 see that review in episode uh, twenty four. Right. I had to save my my pennies for uh, Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Death I too, may die. I too saved my shekels. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to skip around in the in the notes a little bit here. Um, mm-hmm. I got back from my trip to Origins when I was in Columbus. I didn't really play any games, but I um, I played a game of King Domino with Landon and Nicole the other nice. night. I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and that continues to be a game that just is it's so quick. It's so easy to, to get it out and finish around in you know 15 minutes. Um, <clears throat> and then got back into the the mage game i'd missed a few of our um, game nights with travel and being out of town so it was nice to get back we had a really great facebook game what i wanted to kind of talk about is between our game sessions occasionally we'll do kind of play by post but it's more storytelling than actually we're not rolling we're just telling the story for downtime and other things um and it it is it's becoming a bit of a uh, addiction when you're refreshing like your Facebook app to see if, if there's anything new from the storyteller, Paul. <laughs> uh, but I, I like that connection to a campaign. So you, you never really take like a hiatus from it because you're, you're able to occasionally, you know, once or twice a day post something or see some progress in the storyline. So that's just kind of a unique thing that I hadn't really done prior um, way back when I did some play by post like Dungeons and Dragons, you know, and I'm talking 16, 17 years ago. Uh, but it's just fun to have that medium to play, you know, on a Facebook group or something. So Josh, have you been getting any gaming in? Uh, sadly, no, uh, we had some, uh, family vacations and, and things going on. Couldn't get um, anyone to play, uh, anything during the family we, vacation. There, we've played a few family games. Um, so I think Yeti and my spaghetti has come oh, out nice and, and things like that. But yeah, no, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, uh, I, I need to pick up King Domino cause I think the kids would really like that. So yeah, yeah. I think, um, that's on my list. It, what's nice is it, it doesn't require any reading. Right. Uh, it's just matching and then math. So. Yeah, right. 
So, yeah, I, I think the kids would really enjoy that. Uh, after playing that at your house the other day, um, yeah, I, d- I definitely need to pick that up because I think that would be a fun one. Troy, what else has got into the table? You've been keeping up the slack for, for the rest of us. Um, a little bit. Well, this one I just played with all my friends, which in other words means I played solo because I really wanted to get it, get it to the table. So I've been um, reading the Dresden Files and I just finished Turncoat, which is like book 11. And I've had the cooperative card game on my shelf for, I don't know when I bought it, maybe a couple months ago. So it, it, I opened it up once and almost played it. And this was a good excuse to, to get it to the table. And so I think whatever it was, uh, one evening afternoon, I, I, I set it up, watched the nice how to play video that Paul Tevis does uh, mm-hmm. for Evil Hat and ran through it. And it's what you get is you play, if you're familiar with the Dresden Files, you basically play, it's a cooperative all card game, I think one to four players. You can play with, there's a deck for each of the, the book, of the first five books, at least in the core set. And then you have a bunch of, I think, five of the characters, uh, Harry Dresden and Michael Carpenter and Karen Murphy. And I think the uh, werewolves uh, are in the, the first set. And you, with, you take the book deck out and you lay out, I think it's like 12, 12 cards in two different rows. And it's a little bit of they're in a range from one to six in the two rows. And then you have your, your hands for each of the characters. So you, if you're each playing, I was playing solo, so you basically play three different characters as one person. But normally it would have been three people with their own 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 decks. And it's a, a little bit from Evil Hat. It's, there, there's a little bit of the fate, fate system based. And you have a, basically have a shared pool of fate uh, points that you use to, to cast your spells or to investigator attack there's basically kind of three different cards you have like investigation cards that you have to spend clues get clues on and you get they each have a number on and the amount of cards you get your amount of clues you get on it if you get over that whatever that value is like seven or ten then you solve that mystery then there's monsters or foes and they all have a, a, a value and if you attack them again you do so much damage to them when you get to that you have different spells and again in your deck you'll have investigation cards or um, attack cards, or there's also things that are, I want to say impediments, some things you have to overcome. And so you can overcome those. And there's also like an advantage, a few items in there that help you. And then wherever you, each of the cards you have in your hand has a range. So you kind of have to move to get the cards to move to be able to play them and get through that. And uh, real, it's hard, definitely very hard. And because you only have so many points. And you have to get rid of cards to generate more fate points so you can... So a lot of soul-crushing defeats and painful yeah, encounters. And, and a lot of choices did around, you, do I use this card? Like Harry Dresden? Beat uh, up and just... Yeah, it kind of... It's... What's interesting, it's a cool puzzle, cool cooperative game. If you are into Dresden Files, you're going to like go, oh yeah, this is pretty cool and this makes sense. And each of the characters also have a couple cards that... I think each of them have like a, a talent and then like a a one-time use card that you just flip and it's like like Harry's it's like you can do a four-point blast to anything with his blasting rod it's his blasting rod so it kind of makes it makes sense but the theme is there if you're really a Dresden play person if you're really into the, the fandom if you're not familiar with Dresden I don't know it's not going to tell you the story because you okay 
because it's really you're solving the puzzles. Like I got to get so many, you know, investigate things, get rid of so many foes. And it's basically if, if you've solved more cases than foes are left on the board at the end, you win. If not, uh, the game wins. And there's a showdown mechanic at the end because basically at the end, you're just going to run out of cards because you're, you have a finite hand. Once you run out of your cards that you've spent, that's as much as you're going to solve or kill. And then you kind of get to an end game. You get one more chance to kind of clean things up. And then it's do you win or lose? Hmm. Um, so it, it's pretty fast. It plays in, you know, they say half hour. It's probably about right if you're familiar with it. With more players, it might, if you have more decisions, it might be a little slower. But that's, uh, it. I think it's fun. And it, it the, definitely the puzzles and the challenging of it's there. I think if you are a Dresden fan, you're going to get into it. If you're not, I don't know that you're going to get as much out of it. Um, you're going to maybe think, oh, this is kind of a cool mechanic, but the theme isn't going to mean a whole lot to you because it, it, it which is really interesting. It's kind of black and white. And if you're, you know, familiar with it, you're going to see all that. You're going to be like, Oh, like there's Harry's blasting yeah. rod. There's everything there. If you're not familiar with the character you're be like, well, that's just four points damage. You know, that's just, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? You're not going to get, cause it's Lose not, sight of the... yeah. Cause it's not really telling the story. The story's laid out there and you're filling it all in. Cause you know what the book mm-hmm. is and know what everything's there. So, okay. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to get some of the expansions. I think there's about seven more expansions that are just, more of the books and more of the the characters and and slowly add into that because I'm but I don't want to spoil myself either so I'm only gonna yeah. buy until what I've read because I'm still about four or five books from the end of the the series or not the end of where it is currently so cool so that's uh, Dresden Cooperative Card Game I think is what it's called Dresden Files Cooperative yep. Card Game all right um, well you were playing games by yourself. <laughs> I uh, I was at Origins, um, and I I ran a ton of demos uh, for Anvilate Games, um, primarily front uh, Frontline No Comrades. Um, I think I think I could at this point play a game just by talking through it, like draw this <laughs> card. This is what it is. Play this card. So um, kind of exhausted by by demos but it was a good it was a good show um we had some fun and moved a lot of frontline no comrades so that was a a good good time running demos and then just a a brief story from the origins exhibit hall floor (laughs) you spend so much time walking by the same vendors the same booths you know uh, (laughs) on your way in and out of the hall for breaks or beginning of the day end of the day Sometimes you just see a game and you're like, oh, that looks really interesting. <laughs> there was a game I really wanted to buy called Reef, which looked um, kind of abstract where you're actually building up a reef, but that was sold out early. So then I was like, well, I got to buy a game. I'm at Origins. And I kept walking by the Calliope, uh, Calliope, Calliope. I'm not sure on the pronunciation there. But um, they have a, a bunch of lighter games and family style games and stuff. And. I saw this one table with, there are these hex tiles in the shape of a mountain, and it looked like a press-your-luck dice game, but every so often a Yeti comes out, and there's a Yeti standee that I come to find out is a promo thing that I got, and the Yeti attacks and then knocks you down the mountain. So you're trying to press your luck by rolling one of three different kinds of dice, and I got this just by walking by it again and again. So finally on Sunday... um, I was like, all right, I'm going to go see if I can get a quick demo, you know, five minutes just, and I walk up and the guy's like, oh, do you need a demo of one of the games? I said, yeah, I kind of want to check out Dicey Peaks. That's the name of the game, Dicey Peaks, because I saw the designer was Scott Elms, the the guy who did a lot of the tiny epic stuff for uh, Gamelin. I'm like, let's, let's see what this is all about. 
the guy says, I don't know that game, but I can demo it to you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this could be interesting. He uh, picks up the, the rule sheet, holds it to me and goes, a lot of people like this. And he opens it. And there's a Yeti when you open the, the page. <laughs> he, then, he then read the rules to me and didn't play it, but tried to explain how it works and showed me the dice. And he's like, see, three different kinds of dice. I'm like, okay, picking up the dice, looking at the tiles. <laughs> and after a minute of this most awkward demo ever, where he was reading the rule book to me for me to understand the game. So thanks a lot, man. Uh, kind of on a tight time schedule. Appreciate it. Have a good trip home. And uh, went up to the counter and just bought it because <laughs> I like the look of it. I like the designer. Uh, the dice are kind of mm-hmm. unique. So I, I picked up Dicey Peaks for uh, $30 mm-hmm. at Calliope. Um, and it's just a press your luck dice game that maybe we'll play and talk about. Um, but as I go into this, is the first time I open the box. But see, the dice are, oh, are kind of yep. cool with symbols. And oh, wow. You get your, your mountain climbers. Um, and you just advance up the, the Mount Everest, hoping yetis don't attack. All right. Seems like an awkward ex- explanation of this game. Dicey Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's that. But I'll pl- I'll demo it to you guys, and then... Um, are you going to do a better job of mm-hmm. than... Well, like he showed us the Yeti and the rules already. Yeah. I mean, I showed you the Yeti. That's all that counts, right? Go <laughs> yep. buy the game. Showed right. you the Yeti. Uh, all right. Purchase. We'll try to put up on Facebook or Twitter a picture of the Yeti. Yeah. So people can understand, but... Troy, you've been doing more exciting things than getting the worst demo you've ever had. <laughs> no, um, it, it wasn't the. It couldn't have been the worst demo. It was close. It was this or the Walking Dead card? Game I was going to say we, yeah, we, that was uh, awful. Yeah. I was there with you. Yeah, yeah, go back and listen to. I don't know what year that was of the uh, Walking Dead card game. Um, but uh, last weekend it was John and I. I was and I was inspired. I got the we got the new white dwarf. We're at the end of June, but it takes me all June to actually read it. Mm-hmm. And they had a a battle report in there that there was a a redo of uh, like I grab it here redo of an old battle report from years ago. Uh, I think it was Last Stand at Glazer's Creek uh, Part Two. So if you read White Dwarf, and I read this and I'm like. This is really cool. It's the idea of, it's one of these kind of narrative you have in the scenario. It's uh, Imperial Guard and they're attacked by orcs. Uh, and they're just basically on some farm and they're need to, it's a defend and attack scenario. So it's like that Zulu. Movie. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of a Zulu. Right. It's like literally like the Zulu movie, which is one of the best movies ever. If you ever, <laughs> oh, the original Zulu, Zulu Dawn or Zulu. I can't think of what it is. Great. So I do that with John. Uh, I give John. I'm like, John, let's go play some 40k tonight. And I'm like, and I, we should try this scenario. And basically, we switched it to be Marines and Tyranids. And they actually mentioned it. And they're like, if you want to play this at home, they give you a kind of rough sketch of the the rules. And the idea is you'd actually play kind of multiple games. The idea is you're going to have multiple waves, just like Zulu or multiple waves of whoever the attacking force is coming, and then the defenders are going to get whittled down over time and so the when the attackers come they get there's like a number there's a random they have a random squads so like what john does you different uh power levels from you know kind of you know all under 10 like between four and ten of different squads and we just kind of made a chart and we picked what the different squads would be 
uh, and he rolls in that. And so he has his random forces and they, and they have a number. Basically, once you get them to half, they break off the attack. And then you kind of roll for casualties, how many guys really died, how many come back. And then they re-roll again, and then they attack again. Um, and then he, it's variable length, like the attacking can decide, is he going to do like three to five waves of attacks? And depending on how three to five, you can add some bonuses in there. So, so we kind of did, we only did a couple waves of that um, because I think I was going to get run over at the end. Um, just from sure numbers of, of how much damage he was able to do. But I was able to hold off the, at least the first wave. And then the second wave was going to be kind of ugly. Um, but I think we're going to tweak the the rule set a little bit because then we didn't really use like uh, command points and stratagems because I think even that would add a little bit of more depth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun to do like a narrative scenario like that it was was a blast and just kind of set up the board and and uh, kind of tweak tweak it's a little, rules. A little so, out of the norm. Kind yeah, of, it was, yeah, it was. Yeah, was it? The, the so you're saying norm. narrative play can be fun? Oh yeah, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. And I think, so I think, again, I think this is like round one of it. I think we'll basically, what we learned, we'll probably tweak that a little bit because I think we'll we'll do it again because it was, we had a lot of fun. It was, it was pretty cool. And what about Space Hulk in which the Marines are playing to defend the center core and the waves of Tyranids are coming, moving through the hall, the blips. But the Marines don't try to travel and spread out and go no. everywhere. They just try to contain yeah. and seal off doors of You're reading my yeah, and I think that's <laughs> we've had I've had some of that idea. I think the the trick is yeah, is how do you keep it fun and not just you got to have they have to have some objectives because just standing there and rolling dice against the waves coming wouldn't be that exciting to go out and grab do something some right, sort of objective objectives or, or something yeah, right, right be able to have a small thing because we i've been playing around with this scenario like that because i think it would be i think the story is fun the trick is can you get the gameplay to be you know maybe you have enough decisions and some we'll, good tactical we'll stuff get to there it, so mm-hmm. we'll get there yeah all right i like it so that's playing now on to the hobby I'll be honest, guys. I have, other than some limited pre-orders and purchase, um, (laughs) since NashCon, I have done almost nothing uh, hobby-related. It's weird, but I'm kind of just in a holding pattern, waiting for uh, AOS 2.0, which drops next weekend at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I have nothing to contribute. Nothing? (laughs) Not a thing. I've pre-ordered... Soul Wars and a start collecting oh, box for an counts. army that I'm going to be... And procurement is hobby. Yeah, procurement yeah. is oh, hobby. I, I guess, and then in the last month or so, I have purchased uh, and or received most of the Deepkin army. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about 75% purchased, and that pile of boxes is growing, so I can start that kind of after Midwest Meltdown. Nice. Cool. So I, again, if procurement is hobby... Uh, I bought the Death Watch Codex just because. Because I'm like, I have all these Death Watch guys. Maybe I should put them in some kind of an army. And I think we've all done some version of AOS 2.0 pre-order. And Josh, it looks like you got some stuff that's not GW related. Yeah, so um, Gaslands. Um, Burning Designs, I got the shifters and they had the wrong... Uh, template piece. Uh, I think if we talked about mm-hmm. that in the other one. So uh, in previous episodes, I, uh, he sent the actual shifter pieces, which the, is the what pieces? 
the shifter pieces oh the, like the <laughs> where the shifter enters out. yeah um where the what enters the shifter oh okay the shifter <laughs> um yeah, no, the the kind of the shift tree, I guess, would is really the the piece that was wrong. Um, I got those in, and so I started assembling those, and um, it they're going to turn out really cool. Um, I'm really excited about them. So, um, yeah, started assembling those, and I'm pretty excited about them. So, speaking of car wars, yeah, gaslands, gaslands. Well, no, speaking of car wars, car did wars. you see that Steve Jackson's going to run car wars at? Game hole, game hole, game hole, game hole. Oh, nice. Although you'll probably play it and then be like, "Well, we should have played Gaslands." But, yeah, right. But it's kind of cool. I mean, yeah, Car Wars was <laughs> it, it is historical, and to play with yeah. Steve Jackson would uh, probably lo- be pretty. Love cool. him or hate him, yeah, he is an icon in the in the the hobby. Indeed, the gaming industry. All right, so hobby done. Short. That's the theme here tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about everyone's favorite Kickstarter. Yay! So I don't know about all of you, but I had backed um, a book, a children's book, "The Little Game Master," uh, which was fulfilled. Received my copy. He turned that around mm-hmm. quickly. Yep. I mean, um, I feel like I was backing that in the fall, and then here it is. Uh, it's it's you know everything's written in rhyme. Yeah, uh, the art's really fun. cool and fun. Um, so far Landon's asked me to read it to him three times, I think in the, awesome. the week or so that we've had it. Uh, it, it's a great message. It, it talks about imagination. It talks about how, you know, you always have something to do with role-playing games. Um, and then the, the kids that go on the adventure, you know, there's a good message at the end. I, I won't spoil it just in case somebody wants to, to you can't it. spoil it where they cut the head off the troll. <laughs> so, um, but just a, it's a good reminder too, as as a, a longtime gamer, and you know why we play uh, and and what we play for. The the book captures that kind of nostalgia of kind of some of my first times playing a, a role playing game, where you know it's you you go out, you get yep. your classes, you make your character, and you go on a quest. Yeah, I've read, Sarah and I have wrote it a bunch of times. It was it's one of the bedtime. Yeah, on the on the shelf it's in the and, rotation yeah, yeah it's in rotation it's kind of funny the stuff she likes like at one point they get caught in vines or something and so she's <laughs> she likes that art for some reason she's like what that guy doing why is he running away <laughs> um, so i feel like i'm failing my children because i bought abcs of rpgs and they just no no not oh, interested and so i, I didn't one. even buy little game masters because i was like yeah, I don't know. Like I, Sarah's I got that one memorized. Like she yeah. can read ABCs to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Landon no. knows ABCs. I know. And he's close on mm-hmm. Little Game Master at this point. They're just not interested. I don't know why. You got to you got to read it with a better voice. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. More inflection. Yeah. <laughs> I'm failing. And it was funny with that. So I got it, and I I knew what it was, and so I like open it up, and because Sherry's like, "Well, we'll save it for a gift." I'm like. This this is not for Sarah. This is really for me. <laughs> it's just under the disguise of being for Sarah, and we're going to read it together. But I was I really wanted to read it like now. I'm like I'm not going to wait. I'm going to read it now. That's awesome. But really great. And I think he's going to. I think he has plans to do some more in the future. He's, he's, he's been sending out cool. some messages just how how great it is to have it out. And um, yeah, I think he'll he'll definitely do some more. Josh, what do you got here? Or uh, like a real one. 
Yeah, so there's uh, a, a game that kind of caught my interest, and I'm um, very close to backing it here. Uh, it's called Getaway Driver. Um, <clears throat> so it's it's one of those uh, filler games that we call like it's really like a 30, 45 minute game, uh, but it's a two player game where you're a getaway car uh, on the run from the police, and so one person takes on the role of the driver, and one takes on uh, the role of the police trying to corner the driver mm-hmm. before she escapes. And so, yeah, the getaway driver is a, it, it's a tile meeple based game uh, where the driver wins. Yeah, when she gets out of town, uh, represented by the city tiles essentially running out. So you have like a bag of tiles. And I think there's like 40, 45 ish, something like that, a uh, number of tiles. And so, yeah, the police win when the pursuit meter uh, gets to the final space. And so there's, uh, I believe, four positions on the pursuit meter. Um, so you start at zero and you work your way up to one, or work your way up to uh, the, the third final space. Um, and so each tile is an intersection in a city, and some are green lights and some are yellow or red lights, and there's a hazards associated with those um, you know, yellow and red lights. And so around is... Basically, the getaway driver consists of um, the police uh, person, the the person playing the policeman, um, places new tiles orthogonally in front of the driver, um, face down, so you don't know if they're green lights, yellow lights, red lights, and if there's hazards or not. The driver makes their her move, and the police make their move, trying to follow or you know try to cut them off or whatever. Um, and the police can move like in open space where there's no tiles, essentially. Mm. Uh, you kind of like kind of judge where the tiles are going to be. And, and so a move consists of a 90 degree turn and an optional or so an optional 90 degree turn and an optional move forward. And that's for both people. So you're basically you're trying to cut off, um, you know, if you're the policeman, you're trying to cut off the driver and the driver's trying to get away. Uh, the driver has seven cards um, used to avoid hazards uh, to kind of out or to outmaneuver. Uh, so there's like two sides to the card, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And there and the, the driver also has stash cubes, and you kind of like roll them out randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're kind of all over the board. And those stash cubes can be used to regenerate those cards. So you you, you only get a certain amount of um, you know, drive on the sidewalk or, you know, find a makeshift jump, you know, those types of things um, you can use to replenish those. And the police have similar reinforcement cubes that um, uh, when a driver passes through certain marked tiles, they get enforcement cubes uh, or re- reinforcement cubes, I guess. I don't know, whatever. Mm. Um, and the police can buy upgrades like extra patrol cars or barricades or police helicopters, that those types of things. So... A lot of strategy involved, a lot of uh, cat and mouse type of stuff, and it, it sounds like an interesting, you know, kind of fun um, filler game, gateway game kind of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I love that. I love that theme, right? I, yeah, like, like of the few, like Need for Speed. Um, what's the chase one? I can't. Need for Speed. The the police one is like one of my favorite video games that yeah. I play. Hot Pursuit. Hot Pursuit. Oh yeah, and yep. I think it was what was the there was one uh, old video game called Driver. Yep. Oh, I loved like that. Yep. And so like this is just like like my wheelhouse. Like I feel like yeah, for I sure. Really love this. That and it, the the artwork is really cool because it's like 50s, 60s comic book artwork. Mm-hmm. So it's like. Mm-hmm. 
kind of like that theme, which is sort of cool. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it, there should be uh, a few days left on this um, as we release this episode. So check it out if you're interested. It's called Getaway Driver. Um, yeah, the production value looks pretty cool. What's the um, price point? Yeah, how much? Uh, I believe it was twenty-four dollars. Wow. So wow. yeah, not too crazy. Dang it! And only two-player, did you say? Yeah, it was two-player. If you buy two versions, um, or was it twenty-four? Yeah, I think it was twenty. Yeah, I think if you got two versions, it was like cheaper. I think it was like mm. forty for two. Um, you could play a four-player version. So mm. uh, there's an expansion. Yeah, if you take two versions together, you can play a four-player. So. Uh, but yeah, definitely um, interesting game. Uh, Jeff Beck, uh, Uproarious Games, uh, released it. So yeah, check it out on Kickstarter. Cool. So the other, only other Kickstarter I kind of have my eye on current one, and again, I think this will have just a few days when when this comes out is uh, Evil Hats Tachyon Squadron. I don't know if you took a look at that. It's an mm-hmm. RPG uh, set in space of uh, you're basically fighter, some kind of space fighter pilots. Um, so it looks interesting because more of the mechanics of how they're simulating kind of the seems like some of the space combat and things. Again, I think it's there's a fate core mm-hmm. at the, there because that's what Evil Hat does, right? Fate based systems, but it looks interesting from just like uh, as an RPG, uh, as you're you know these fighter squadrons and yeah. it's interesting to see how I'd they handle real, kind of the. I'd be really the, interested the, how they handle the, the space casualties combat. and right. It feels like that can be like a. Um, so I may jump in on that just because it looks it looks interesting. Again, it's one of these. I have so many RPGs that we, are interesting we, but never we play. Could, so. We could always play Starfinder with Doctor Gabe. Yes, <laughs> that's true. If you want to scratch that space itch and make but it I'm happy. a little I'm I I would it would be fun to play just with that group. I'm just a little like I've never been a big Pathfinder. Like the rule set seems a little crunchy for me. Oh. Um, I'd rather much do like a fate a little more, much more kind of loose. RPG kind of system. So uh, w- like Wing Commander ripoff Tachyon Squad. Yes, there we yeah. go. There we go. We're going back way back. We got Driver Wing Commander. <sighs> yeah, good thing I didn't bring out Bullet with Steve McQueen <laughs> when Josh was talking about Getaway Driver. They, they actually reference Bullet. Actually, <laughs> it's a great movie. Italian Job, Fast and the Furious, all, yeah, all those. Right. Cool. So I'll, I'll wrap up a little Kickstarter more for film, fulfillment side. So I think I talked in the past this uh, Battle of Britain game that was put out by Plastic Soldier Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a uh, it's a redo of uh, I can't think of the Richard Borg game from uh, TSR back in the eighties. Uh, they kind of redid it. They screwed up kind of the initial plastic for the planes that they did i just got the replacement planes it's one of those ones where i kind of talked a little bit like with vampire hunter it there's a lot of stuff that's really good about the game and it is kind of a very much old school you know historical let's find it looks if you're really into historical in world war ii it's really kind of cool of the whole holding off you know the attack of 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 the germans bombing britain and looks like there's some interesting gameplay there um, that's one I kind of half soloed just to get a feel for what the rules were like. Um, but there's just, again, you're doing these Kickstarters. There's just a few components that you're like, why did, why? It, I look at the, just the counters and stuff that are in that game. And then like I opened up like Zombicide or even um, the Dresden Files game, just the level of quality, like why they, there's like the board or, is or amazing. Vampire Hunters. Or Vampire, right. 
Well, even the counters, the, the counter quality was better in Vampire. Oh, really? Than what it was. It was kind of like they just used the old, like, here's the 80s. You know the old games you had, the little chits that came mm-hmm. in? It was, they were slightly better than that. And so it's just like when you're doing these games, why do you not, like, there's just a few things that would be real simple to kind of bring the whole. It's kind of that difference between the SEMA and the really polished games and these games that are maybe not you know somebody's so not is, is it but, and it's still really good and it's so there's a lot of stuff there so it's just interesting i think it's it, our bar i think of you know production that we've seen over the last few years right is, i think has raised the bar so much now that if in probably even two or three even five years ago if everyone would have been like oh this is amazing whatever and now like the bar has been raised so much you see these little things that are just they're fine you know it's totally fine doesn't hurt any gameplay but you're just like eh why couldn't it have been as good as all these other all these other games that I have? Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that was kind of funny, um, the Nemesis board game, which is kind of like Aliens, uh, one of these massive, it's not Simon, but it's um, I think it's the same guys that did, I can't remember what's the other game that they did. Uh, I'd have to look it up. This War of Mine? It's a, yeah, I think it's partly those guys that did This War of Mine. So a huge Awaken, one of these. Awakened Awaken Realms. Realms right? Yeah, a million, so a million miniatures big board game whatever so i finally did the like the pledge manager came up and what was funny is when you finished the pledge manager they gave you this little um uh, print and play game <laughs> that i made uh, ty and josh play which is kind of it's it's really a kind of throwaway game but it was just kind of funny they called it the um the tldr version of uh, nemesis <laughs> so it's basically like hey you're gonna get infected hey you have a gun hey leaving the escape pod all right you win or you lose Mm-hmm. Uh, and you play like two rounds and it's over. So I just thought it was funny how that's again the level we're getting to, right? Where you get a little, a little, yeah. a little, uh, a little nibble taster, yeah. taster because we know you're waiting, you know, for this game to come out. So I lost, by the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I played with Neil from work today too. So. Neil from work? Yeah, I made him try it out. So who won? Um, I think Neil. I think Neil actually won. Had a boy, think, Neil. Yeah. So. I think that I think we've left all the Kickstarters on the table. We, I'm, yeah, there's actually next, not. There's a whole site Kickstarter with a yeah, million other out. ones. Yeah, I'm sure a that ton we're of not. projects. A lot of stuff we're not talking about. Kickstarter.com. And next episode, um, I'm going to talk about Cthulhu ad nauseum because nice. that'll be live mm-hmm. soon, yep. and I'm so mm-hmm. excited. Yeah, I might talk about that for the rest of the episodes this year <laughs> on through <laughs> once it starts. Yeah, because <laughs> they'll have to do a mini game. Oh, this hype train is so, so, tr- so hyped. Woo-woo. Yeah, train whistles and tracks. and. So what, do we, to, what do we say? Eric Lang, oh, Mike Rob McVeigh, Rob Davereaux, Adrian, Adrian Smith, Adrian Smith. Carl Kapinski, H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> All right. I got distracted. We still have other things on, on tap before we sure, sure do. Yeah. topic. Yeah, so, we sure do. Um, one of the the coolest things out there, uh, in a few episodes back, we interviewed Elena Danner, mm-hmm. the um, premier, one of the premier guest of honor artists at Gen Con, mm-hmm. coming up in August, and all over the place uh, with Wizards of the Coast and Magic: The Gathering, um, she was able to show her uh, panoramic piece that is going to be represented uh, represented by five lands and the showdown uh, decks, which I think you go to the store to play organize play mm-hmm. events and you get the uh, the showdown 
packs packs yeah so the the lands in there are part of a five five land panoramic uh that she has prints of on her um her web store right now yep and i may have one and we have all purchased yep yep (laughs) Um, mine's in wrote mine's mine's mine came today and so i opened yeah it's pretty it's it's i'm holding my arms about why it's it's super long yeah so it's like you're amazed how like when you put them all together i mean it's not super tall but it's just really long i think it's gonna be cool to i'm gonna frame it up and uh, i have have a really really awesome idea to frame it up i'll tell you guys later but yeah yeah so um check out we'll we'll definitely link elena's i know a lot of times i'm guilty of saying hey we'll link this in the show notes and then i don't do the show notes and things don't get linked <laughs> i uh, try and do it but i, I, th- I try and do it. i think we're pretty good about but this good, this yeah. one this one will will make sure yep. it gets mm-hmm. linked and uh, you can go back i forget the episode number but we'll link that mm-hmm. to yep. our interview with elena where she talks about her design process and her art and influence. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and now um, we know why she was so busy earlier in this year for all, the, all these cards, the yeah, all these cards that are coming yeah. rolling right. out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's awesome. Um, upcoming, a few other uh, pre-orders and things on the horizon. Um, I know. I think you bought in. I didn't, Troy, because I I'm waiting to see how our Gen Con experience of Wrath and Glory mm-hmm. goes. Oh. Yeah, I went in and I just did the pre-order so I could pick up the book at Gen Con. How, so, how deep did you go? to? I just went the initial. No, I didn't do the all-in. I just okay. did the, the base where you get the yeah, rule book. I, and I got some a blurb on, on my email, and so I threw that in the show notes here because, yeah, 40K Wrath and Glory sounded kind of mm-hmm. cool, and I know you guys are playing and stuff. So. Yeah, it's one. Yeah, No matter what, even if it sucks, I'll probably own the rule. I would have bought the rule book right. anyway. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I, and they're going to do if you pre-ordered you'll be able to pick up at Gen Con so that was another reason why I wanted right. to wanted to pre-order and they do have and you get a few extra things I think they're throwing some stuff and I don't know when Free RPG Day was was that last weekend or it this was weekend the Saturday of Origins Agents, yeah last weekend and I know they did some they had a some kind of free RPG module yeah, that they, came out for, for that too module, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So. and then they're uh Age of Sigmar trading card game is hmm. is also on pre order. Right yeah, now. AOS Champions, right? Yeah, AOS Champions, right? Um, I it's I think it's four different decks currently, and you get some each, bonus stuff. Yeah, each and, Grand Alliance is going right. to have a starter deck, and then they'll expand it out. Um, it actually looks pretty cool. It does. I know, um, Rolling dice and taking names podcast. I think uh, I saw is is interested and on board. There's a lot of a lot of buzz around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a new forum for them, you know. It's, right. Um, it looks pretty cool. I mean, that's that's kind of a, an area that I I like to play in. So, um, yeah, I, I, I may pre-order that. So I I, I will be. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be fun. And the way that the art recently, I mean, the last mm-hmm. few releases, the art has been fantastic. Soul Wars, the new rule book, mm-hmm. just the art that's getting teased, like. Age of Sigmar and Games Workshop in general has upped. It, when you look over the last ten years, the quality of the the prints that yeah. we're getting in in the books and stuff, to now have a card game that I'm sure they'll recycle some of the art right. and we'll see yeah. some new art. But there's some just really great stuff being done by them right now. Yeah, definitely interested to see how the game plays and stuff. But yeah, um, it, it's you know if it's Games Workshop, they're they're gonna have play test it and make sure yeah. that it's cool so yeah but isn't there aren't they working with another company on that right Somebody yeah who's got yeah, some they are. experience um, in creating card games so 
that should even make it better because you have GW behind you, but then somebody who's really kind of in that rule set and has some experience, I think should should be good. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. Yeah. So Ty, you've been cheating on us again, <laughs> still. <laughs> yeah. So so um, our buddy Mark, he's uh, the Ashen Herald on YouTube. Um, we've been doing weekly Herald crafting videos talking about Ashes of Creation. So. So far, we have the uh, the very the first three out. We did a roundtable with one of the the um, content creator and moderators, and then a streamer who's in Sweden, the Couch Nerd. Um, he streams a lot of uh, World of Warcraft mm-hmm. and um, other stuff now. But it was it was, uh, it was Sunday afternoon. We recorded this roundtable talking about the tavern mechanic mm-hmm. in the game. Um, and uh, it's kind of cool. We were, it was like one o'clock for me. Right. It was like <laughs> eleven a.m. for Mark, and whatever ten p.m. or whatever for the guy in Sweden. <laughs> and then the community moderator uh, that joined us as well. So we had some fun. That'll be out Wednesday this week. Then we're gonna do every Wednesday is releasing these Herocraft videos. So we're gonna do one focused on role playing and building your character's backstory and narrative, um, and continue to do each of the classes of Ashes of Creation. Cool. cool. So content creation, doing a weekly show, it's, it's kind of <laughs> kind of fun. Um, we we need to get a, this on YouTube. We, we will. We will live live stream our broadcast. Live stream. <laughs> we'll we'll put a camera up <laughs> over the table <laughs> and not sync it to the wait. audio. Yeah, right. It'll look like security cam footage. <laughs> and we'll call it a, a YouTube podcast. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so do we want to uh, take a break and then come back and tell you, tell us a little bit about your time at Origins? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take a little little break here, freshen up, rest up, and then dive into Origins before a resurrection review. Welcome back. Hope you're still with us because we have some fun ahead. First off, uh, the guys here are going to give me some questions about Origins rather than just letting me ramble on about my experience there. So they're going to ask some hard-hitting, impactful questions about Columbus, about Origins, and, and some some events and things I saw. So without further ado, hand it over to uh, Troy, the interrogator. All right, Ty. So uh, for our listeners who maybe have never been to Origins... Can you give uh, a little compare and contrast maybe with like uh, like a Gen Con or like a smaller con like Game Hole? Like a 30,000 foot view. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it definitely fits somewhere between the um, Game Hole and some of the smaller conventions, you know, that are hitting a couple thousand uh, and the, the Gen Con where you're hitting each day your 60,000. I want to say Origins total was between 60 and 70. Um, you know, for the like so the four total days. four days, and they actually do five days. So they have mm-hmm. gaming mm-hmm. events all day Wednesday that are running. The uh, exhibitor hall opens Thursday morning for the first time at ten, and then it's open the retailers. So it's Origins is put on by Gamma, mm-hmm. um, which ultimately is a retailer kind of network mm-hmm. and gaming alliance. I don't was it gaming and manufacturers something alliance? I think yeah, something yeah. like that. Yep. Um, and they put on Origins. So it, it definitely fits between a small small convention and something like Gen Con. Um, the last time we were there, though, it was significantly smaller vendor presence. Because, Troy, I think we went 
six years ago? Uh, in 2010 and 2011, I think, were the two years so, ago. Yep. Um, it, it's been a while. It might have been 11, 12. Yeah, something like that. Yep. And then uh, Anvil 8. So I went with Brian and, and Will and Aaron from Anvil 8 Games. Um, this is their first time back since they just had Ethereum four years ago. And it was a pretty poor experience for them with a miniatures game, not a lot of interest. Uh, it's still heavily board card role-playing right. game. There's not a big miniature scene. So this year, having Frontline No Comrades was huge. Mm-hmm. We ended up, by, I think, Saturday morning, switching the Ethereum demo table to a second Frontline table and just running that mm-hmm. to, to clear out stock. Yeah. But So it fits in that niche between. Um, and Columbus is, is a city that has a great convention space. I don't know how much room they have to grow, but they definitely still have room in there. Yeah, the um, convention center is massive. It I just right is, right. yeah, it's, spread out. It, it mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was, it was a good, good little and, show. And unlike Gen Con, like everything's in the convention center. Like they don't. There are a couple surrounding hotels, but I don't think they like they they go into the Hyatt just a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. One of them that's like attached because I think it's the Hyatt, right? Limited that's attached, stuff there, yeah. but the majority is all in the convention center, center still. Now, is there good uh, food and stuff nearby? Yeah, so so Columbus's downtown area is um, is great for food, bars, restaurants. You're located um, kind of between the business district of downtown, and um, as you head towards up High Street North to the campus, Ohio State is a few miles up the road. So you have this the short North district, which is kind of their arts district, um, and it has it reminds me a lot of State Street in in Madison, a mm-hmm. lot of bars and restaurants art galleries stores um really good restaurants so it has that feel and that's on one side of the convention center and then the business downtown area and the arena kind of surround the convention center um there's a uh, a market called the north market basically mm, yes. all these food vendors and stalls little restaurants so when i was there last time we went to the polish kitchen and the guy makes pierogies <laughs> yep. and kielbasa and stuff. So I had one day for lunch. I walked over there quick and grabbed a smoked kielbasa and uh, two pierogies, and I was just in heaven. Um, another great restaurant we went to is called Pies and Pints. So it was all these a huge craft beer list and then a bunch of pizzas, and it was fantastic. We ended up going back another night. Um, but plenty of it, – it's a college town, and it's a big college town. So it's – a you know, the arena where the Blue Jackets play um, is, is right there, too. So you've got the bars and restaurants around the arena. You didn't go to Barley's? Didn't go to Barley's. Barley's now has Bad a Bad memories? Beer, no, they have a beer cave <laughs> upstairs. Oh, yep. Yes. So there's a bar and yep. free video games. We walked in there one night after dinner and drinks, and it was just a little too crowded, so mm-hmm. we, we didn't stick around. Because it is um, right across from yeah, the convention yeah. center. So. so one night, the first night, Wednesday, we thought about it, but... There was a significant wait, so we ended up just walking on past the Gordon Biersch where we got mm. seated right away and ate no problem. So, and you were only in the vendor hall, and I know you were working most of the time, but was there any, uh, what was the most exciting thing you saw in the vendor hall? Um, so, so there was, and I'm going to need to look it up now, it might have been Baldman Games Reef. I mm. talked about briefly before, looked really cool. Um, the game Vast, have you guys heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they had a, a setup going, looked pretty pretty good. Um, that's a game I definitely want to check out because I guess every every role at the table plays totally different, mm-hmm. and you're all playing against each other. But 
in a really asymmetric way. Nothing is, no path to victory is the same. Every player is a different part of the cave or the dragon in the cave yep. or the hero, you know, the goblins, whatever, doing a different thing to try to win their own mini game. So that looked really cool. Yeah, I heard good things about Vast. We'll have to mm-hmm. get a hold of that one of these days. Um, Cubicle 7 was there. They do the Lord of the Rings role playing mm-hmm. game and they have the uh, Warhammer Fantasy mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. fourth edition coming out probably around Gen Con, so chatted with them a little bit. Um, and they recently had announced as well that they have the license for Age of Sigmar. So after they release Warhammer Fantasy Role-Playing 4th Edition, they're going to release the Age of Sigmar role-playing game probably sometime second, third quarter of 2019. Cool. Cool. I want to be a Tree Lord Ancient. <laughs> <laughs> a Tree Lord Ancient, Nagash, and who are you going to be, Josh? Frost Lord on a stone horn. There you go. Mm-hmm. Right. That's going to be a funny party, party guy. <laughs> yeah, not much will stop you guys. <laughs> not much can stop you guys. Um, were there any, I don't know if you saw anything, any, like, are there, like, special guests and anything like that? Was there a big... So, I didn't I didn't see anyone, um, you know, my, my celebrity sightings were limited to Chris from the Secret Cabal. Walked by the booth <laughs> and I stopped and chatted with Chris for a little bit. Uh, and then Rodney Thompson was there with um, Dusk City Outlaws, Scratchpad Publishing. So he'd set up uh, and was moving a lot of that, that his new role-playing game after the Kickstarter to see it in the wild now, so to speak. And I had a chance to chat with Rodney as he was walking, and I was walking for a couple minutes and just thank him because I think it's great material and it's great writing. I've loved the work he did. And it will segue into Lords of Waterdeep here in a little bit, which he was the, the lead designer on, I believe. So, Cool. Josh, anything else? I'm good. Ty, any, any final thoughts? Uh, Origins should be added to the the con schedule. Um, it the gaming events were going nonstop. It's a great um, area for a convention. Nothing felt super crowded. We were able to find places to eat and sit. You know, a short half mile walk away. Um, really good vibe. A lot of families. It was a really diverse crowd too. It reminded me more of what we saw at PAX East last year. A lot of new gamers, families, couples, um, really good representation of where the hobby's at now. Um, and it's it just should be added. It's one of those that I, I definitely want to go back to either with Anvilate, you know, as a volunteer or um, get get a few of us to, to go there next year and play some games and experience a, a different big con. Yeah, I mean, I'm strongly thinking that maybe it's, time to skip gen con every other year or something and make origins that that road trip um because it's it sounds like it's even bigger and better than what was and and in the past i always called it like that was the gamer convention gen con's the spectacle and whatever and you can go there and like never play a game and be perfectly fine where origins there's plenty to do but usually everybody who's there is there to play games and and you yeah. know, and, and do it, the gaming part of it. It still has that vibe of the GamerCon, mm-hmm. but that that vendor hall is probably four times bigger than what mm-hmm. it was, you know, five six when years we were ago. Because yeah. yeah. when we were there, that was I want to say a downside, but it was like you just didn't spend that much time in the vendor hall because you saw in an hour, hour two hours, you'd covered the whole thing twice. So it was, <laughs> but now it sounds like it's yeah, it's, much it's, more. It's bigger, and that could be. I mean, GenCon is basically out of space, yeah. right? So. And it could be an, it's an opportunity the, the for vendors. The general is growing, too. So, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. um, the people that are being attracted to going to a convention, uh, we're getting more of that. So, 
Well, and uh, one other thing that was added to Origins is True Dungeon, um, mm-hmm. and I know that draws uh, you know a good amount of people. So, yeah, what's interesting is I have no idea where it was and never saw like the signs for it. So, oh, really? Yeah, either the people that bought tickets must have known right where to go, but at least you know as you head into the exhibition hall and that part of the convention center there was no indication of where it was yeah which was kind of strange it, it, well, it was weird it was like a kind of a late ad in the year like all of a sudden they were like hey we're we're gonna be at origins and yeah they um they released the first of three uh new first of three new tracks uh that are going to be at Gen Con, um, the first one they released at Origins, so kind of cool to uh, have a new, uh, a, you know, new convention for True Dungeon uh, to release a new um, track. So sounds good. We'll talk to our friend Mike Johnson. Yeah, he was right. there, right? Yeah, playing saw True Mike, Dungeon. Saw Mike a few times. Yeah, Let's see what his review was. I, I think that was the main reason he went. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, thank you, Ty, for your uh, review of Origins. And uh, you definitely sold us. We'll have to find a way to get there again. I really miss that. I miss the miss the North Market. I think that's the. <laughs> I, I think it would what would be really great too is Gen Con is now so big and there's so many people trying to accommodate like who you see and what you do is is difficult. Going to Origins with a smaller group, playing a bunch of games, getting in events like that's what I'd like my Gen Con to be. And I I don't think. It, it, it like that's not possible that's anymore, anymore. Yep. right um so origins might be the you know the the ability yes. to get together and actually game hard and, <laughs> and play for four days cool speaking of playing games and things we haven't done in a while a resurrection review of lords of Waterdeep. so in this resurrection review we're going back to find a game that we haven't played as a group in several years uh probably three or four years mm-hmm. since we got to the table mm-hmm. and what's funny about origins is one of the first times i remember playing it was when we were at origins i think with matt and mm-hmm. uh elena back however long, long was. we'll yep, figure out well. when <laughs> uh but that was one of the first times i remember lords of Waterdeep. um now hopefully it's not one of those false memories where it was out like after that and hopefully i'm i'm remembering things right or i'm going senile here uh early but what we'd like to do with our resurrection review is just kind of go through what lord's Waterdeep is how it felt because we have memories of the game we remember it and we we've always spoken of it highly um but to go back and see if it still holds up as we know in this this industry the board game industry and content creation you you see a lot of stuff you play a lot of different things um and sometimes your tastes change over time so we thought we'd go back and see if it deserves to continue to uh live and thrive or if it should go back to the the graveyard of the game closet so lords of water deep was released in 2012 which was probably a year we were there so i think you are remembering it might have been the second year we were there but i think you are remembering correctly ty uh was one of the first times we would have played it um it's uh two to five if you have the expansion you can play six players you take on one of the lords uh roles of you, you lightly i say that you take on the role of one of the lords of water deep right yeah so um, the, the and that's that's a cool thing about the theme is water deep being the city of splendors in in Faroon, the forgotten realms um there are definitely elements and names of the deities of the places that are, are true to water deep 
uh, and you play as, as Troy was saying, one of the masked uh, lords of Waterdeep. So your identity is secret. You know it, but the other players don't because each lord has different um, different role-based uh, ways of scoring additional points. Yeah, they each, so. each have a bonus that's going to play in at the end game, right? Yeah. And for those not familiar, Waterdeep, the, one of the ports in D&D, right? One of the main hubs of action in, in Dungeons and Dragons. Yep, in the Forgotten Realms. Right. And you're, the whole idea, it's a worker placement game. Um, I always talk about like it's a, it's a Euro in disguise a little bit, and not even to disguise. It's very much a, a Euro game. Um, you know, worker placement, uh, set collection, where you're trying to get the different, whether it's fighters, rogues, thieves, wizards, I get them all, rogues, right? I get them twice. Clerics, that's what I forgot. <laughs> thieves and rogues might be the same people. Um, maybe, right? Depends on your, your point of view. <laughs> um, but basically, you're, you're collecting them and sending them out on quests to complete quests. That's your now, collective victory points. Now, what I will add, where it it goes a sharp right off the road of most heroes, mm-hmm. is the quests that score your points that you're building for are random. So you get mm-hmm. four that are out, um, and you can reset that and cycle through. But that is a high randomness mm. uh, that is not present in a lot of euros where you know your win condition and mm. you know what you're building towards different strategies. The quest deck drives the the action, so to speak, in Lord's Waterdeep where it takes that turn away from a traditional euro. So, right. right. Um, certainly, though, the the other elements of it, yeah, I totally agree, Troy. Hit, hit that euro um, style of game. And also the additional buildings that you can build are also random. So kind of... Also takes that yeah. that turn away from a traditional euro. Yeah, and there's a, yeah, like you said, there's a couple other mechanics in there that are interesting in terms of building. You can build buildings which create more locations that you can put workers on. That then you can get more resources or other things. And then also another way for you to collect either resources or different kind of points. Um, if you build the building, whether people use it, that's another way for you to collect resources. Yeah, and, and that's certainly an element when you look at Terra Mystica and like Kalis, one mm-hmm. of the the foundations of Euro games recently where you're building buildings and then other players can use it and you're getting a reward. Um, so yeah, that, that is certainly a big element of Lords of Waterdeep is the expansion of that board space. Um, and so that's what you, and then you have, I don't know what they call your actual workers. You have three workers. I think it depends on the number of players, right? But you have three workers usually on a, like a four, four, five player game until turn five out of a turn eight it's your a set. agents You're agents, that's agents, agents, agents yeah. um and then you get a fourth uh fourth worker for kind of the second half of the game for turns five through eight um and so one in turn eight basically you count up victory points and that's where you reveal your lord and whatever bonuses they have see what mostly it's what quests you've completed and um basically it's victory points see who see who's won so then um some of the things I think we, we touch on a lot of times in our review that we'll talk through is just in, in general the, the components and the quality of the, the aesthetic of the game. Um, and I don't think we touched on it yet, but it has been expanded. I know you yep. picked up both, right? Yeah. And so there was, it was really one expansion, uh, Scoundrels right. of Skullport, that added two modules, kind of that idea of you get an, ex- you know, you get an expansion, but you can add the module and just choose if you're going to add one, both, or none of of them to the the base game uh one of under mountain just add most of both of them add new locations uh new quests new intrigue cards we didn't talk about intrigue cards but those are cards that you can get during the game that 
that it, again if you go to certain locations you can play those cards and get again anything yeah, from and, special abilities or you, those tend to affect the other players more and, than anything and, else and it takes the placing an action to be able mm. to play and those plays do gain you things uh sometimes they'll gain you two and then you pick somebody else to gain one mm-hmm. or they'll put a roadblock like a temporary quest a mandatory quest that somebody has to finish before they can do anything yeah. else so um yeah it adds another little wrinkle into Yep. The, so the thinking, best laid plans of yep. your, your enemy. <laughs> <laughs> and then Skullport, the Skullport module uh, added something called a corruption mechanic. Um, and it, we didn't, I haven't played that too often, so I don't actually remember exactly what it is, but you can basically collect corruption. I believe that adds like minus victory points if you had too much corruption uh, at, for the end game. Um, but again, we can get to that at the end. It was one of those ones where it added something, but I don't know that it added something that it really needed. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So components, um, Josh. What what are your thoughts on the components of the the base Lords of Water? Yeah, I mean, the base game, the components are pretty solid. Um, so you, you have your traditional meeples, right? Um, different colors for the you know, fighters, clerics, rogues, wizards, those types of things. Um, the, the different chits are, you know, the the graphic design on the chits are pretty good. Uh, graphic design on the buildings is great. Um, uh, the board is laid out pretty, uh, you know, it, it makes sense. You know, it all it is all driven really, really well, and it all makes sense. And, you know, where you place your meeples, it, you know, they have the little meeple logo. And I mean, it's, it's all very simple, right? Mm-hmm. It's all very uh, self-explanatory. And I think um, that always makes a game to me, um, the graphic design uh, and the components of, of a game, um, if if it if it can look at it and know where things go, I think that that really drives it home for me, right? Um, I, yeah, big big fan of, of of the components. They did a good job. And one one thing I I recall, and I can't tell because the copy I looked at, the meeples I think are only part of the the blinged out. Otherwise, yeah, you get so, squares. You yeah, get you get the, normal. Just, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I yeah. Uh, Troy bought the blinged out version. Yeah. yeah, the the meeples are yeah they're true. Yeah, they're they're little squares. They're different colored. So squares. if if you get the like the expansion, the is that through a different? Yeah, a that's different a third party. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's through Meeple Source. <clears throat> yeah, they have um, them. So Troy, you've you've done the the blinging out of Lord's Waterdeep. <laughs> yeah. So components for you are a little different, um, but. Yeah, and the big one is the meeples. Is just having instead of having a square, you have a little meeple that's a I cleric totally or forgotten. a wizard or a, yeah, which is kind of it's kind of cool, um, yep. and it helps. And we'll, uh, it, I think it helps just keep reinforce the theme because um, as you when they're just colored squares, it becomes easier to just think of them as colored squares. Any any <laughs> resource, not necessarily <laughs> not an necessarily adventuring party. Adventuring party the concept is, right. is you're assembling an adventure party to go take these tasks, these quests. So yeah, it 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 helps remove that. So so maybe that's a ding uh, from me. Like maybe they should have been meeples instead of squares. But yeah, no, yeah. I mean, and we may we may talk about that later. Yeah. And then I also have the the broken token insert the the whatever this laser cut board would uh, insert the uh, they tried hard I think with the the box control to make it easier, but. That it's game weird, is weird like though, it's an oblong shape. The box has that like gap yep. on the side. It it just it never felt like a great 
Yeah, that was the one thing where maybe it kind of fell down in the graphic design was they went for a little different box style. And yeah. it's, and it's, what's funny is like for me, again, I have the insert and I actually use, I think I use the base from the base game and I use the cover from the expansion because then you actually get a real, like it fits. A clean seal. Mm-hmm. Clean seal with the, the broken token insert. So I've like kind of blinged it out completely. And then everything fits. The I've only, you know, I get the whole expansion into the one, the one box. But... Yeah, again, I think they tried, but even when you travel with it, you have to be careful not to flip it completely upside down because stuff still kind of right. travels all over. And it does seem to be a game that still does. Even in the past, when we played it a lot. It got played out. It got played, and we'd take it to whether it was we were getting together or going not the distillery or something mm-hmm. else like that. That's We tended to play a lot as a game you could just kind of put out. And people, I think because the rules are pretty straightforward to learn, right? Once you kind of get to understand what the turn sequence is, the board kind of like, hey, you just have those locations. It right. says what they do. Put your guy yeah. there. And, 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 you know, people can kind of learn as they play. Like, oh, yeah, well, I need some fighters. I'm going to put my guy there. I'm going to, you know, and kind of learn the strategy as they play. Mm-hmm. And Josh started to talk a little bit about that with the component review, um, that, that design aesthetic of the game. Uh, so certainly the board tells you exactly what the result of each action is. Um, and it, it has that look of a map of the city. Mm-hmm. So it helps develop that you know concept of your lords vying for control of, of this fantasy city. Um, you know, there, there are some pros and cons, I think, to the art. A lot of it looks um, slapped on, in my opinion, like from a Dungeons and Dragons right. stock, you know, stock yep. photos, so to speak. Yep. Right. Um, but it, it does, like the map looks cool. The, the, some of the cards look good, but, um, you know, I... I would. This is a game where I, I think the graphic design would do very well with like a second edition. You know, some slight mm-hmm. changes. It's been on the market for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be interesting to see what they could do with some of the new mm-hmm. art and new things that they've introduced with since the advent of fifth edition. Everything, yeah, because it's a um, pre fifth edition yeah. game, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yep. But that's just my thoughts on the the general layout and design. It, it's, it is very D&D-esque, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like you were saying. Uh, it's fairly simple and clean and has that map look. Um, and uh, even the box, like you were saying, Troy, um, it sort of looks like a tome, right? Mm-hmm. Which is sort of cool. Like, I, I don't know. Um, j- just even looking at the box when it's sitting on my shelf, I'm like, oh, that kind of looks like a, a D&D mm-hmm. book, right? Yep. So um, I, I always thought that was kind of cool. So. So then, D and D fantasy theme. Um, I know Troy, you've you've got some some thoughts on theme, and sometimes that's the the deal breaker for yep. you. Is what what is the theme? So, what do you think about Lords of Waterdeep? So, as a basically a euro, it got me to play it based on the theme that it is. You know, very much everything you look at is the theme. Every card you pick up. If you read the text, right, it's telling you a little story about, okay, yeah, we're recruiting assassins or we're doing this quest is we're going to get some, you know, we need to go defeat these monsters or things like that. So the theme is like there in every every piece of it. And there's a lot of kind of, I'll call it fluff, right? There's a lot of story and fluff that they've added to everything, uh, which it kind of got me to play it. Uh, to, but when I'm playing it, what's funny is I very quickly rip that all away from my mind and i'm just like i need two orange guys yeah. one white guy <laughs> what that card that card's gonna get me two gold and i need to get these for- mm. so i like totally strip away the theme when i'm playing it 
to try and figure out how to win, mm-hmm. which is really funny. It's, it's, well, it's what, one of the... What I think, and I have a theory about theme. Theme is purely to sell the game. Yeah. Theme very few times carries through to the actual play where you feel like... I mean, it's ridiculous. We're never going to be in a situation where we feel like we're lords of a city. Like, we're just... We're not what we do in our day jobs yep. and where we are. Right. And this game doesn't give me that feeling. Um, but, you know, the appeal of Waterdeep, the appeal of Dungeons & Dragons, that theme is what sold me on the game. Um, and like you said, when you're looking at your win condition, you strip away that story. You're not yep. concerned at all that you're putting six rogues, two warriors, a priest, and a mage to go to the ruins of Undermount and yep. to get, you know, a re- treasure. You're looking for eight resources to get 14 victory points and a card draw. Right. Yep. End of story. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, and that was kind of when this game came out, that was a little, I don't want to say, right? There was a little bit of a backlash where, like, everybody, because it was super, it's very popular. It was, I mean, yeah, still, I'm sure it still sells pretty well. I mean, I know that I've recommended it to a lot of people in game stores where people are like looking for what kind of game, you know? Oh, Lords of Waterdeep is not, you're not going to miss on that. Um, but that was a little bit of the backlash where people were like, it's just a Euro you know, with the theme slapped on it. And we were all like, yeah, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I think that it is, it is basic Euro mechanics, right? It's worker mm-hmm. placement, it's set collection. Um, unlike, I mean, I'm trying to think of a good game. Like you talked, there are very few games, but there are a few where the mechanics also reflect the theme, right? Where there's a special mechanic or something that very much is unique to whatever the theme of the game is. And those are a little bit far and few between, yeah. um, but this isn't it, right? It's like a very theme and themes on everything, but it's basic Euro mechanics. It's a very thin with, layer. It's like yeah. that, <laughs> that gold plating, you know, right. that, that thin yep. layer overneath the, the yep. substance. Right. It's a D and D plated yep. game. D and D plated. Ooh, you could probably sell it. You can have <laughs> a company D and D plate everything. I want, um, car D&D plated. So we kind of we kind of <laughs> talked about um, the game play and how it works. So probably won't get into the the actual like rules ad nauseum. Um, but setup I think is important in, in teaching the game. And I know Josh, you had some thoughts about getting ready to play this game as opposed to some others. Yeah, I mean it's very board driven. So like really laying out the board, putting a couple quest tiles out there couple stacks of cards you know handing out the meeples or or cubes if you just have the the cubes like that's pretty much it like it's not it, there's not a whole lot to it which is great um so setups maybe five minutes if that i would say it depends on how well your board can or your box control is it, so if you fair. if you traveled and as you open it there's been because there were many times where you take it you open it up and all the pieces are like all over and you basically spent 15 minutes getting sorting it all, everything sorting out. It out and then starting the game so if, if you haven't been nice sorted piles like yeah, yeah. and it, it's all pretty much yeah pick it's, up and it's go, pretty but, quick but uh, yeah and and you know being a euro fan and the, the mechanics are my favorite part. So deciding what you want to do and having someone steal your play and, you know, the typical Euro stuff, right? Um, I, that's, that's yeah, that's my favorite part of the game. So, And and I would say now being reminded, I, I enjoy Lords of Waterdeep, but there's a reason I wouldn't put it in my top 20, and it's the, the elements of it that take away. And I, I was reminded by when we were just kind of going through it, playing it again, the quests and if you have a lord and you don't have any of the quests you need and you know that potentially the builder lord is out there there's some lords that are i think just stronger in that Mm -hmm. randomness 
and then not seeing the quest, having to burn your actions to get a new mm-hmm. quest, or that gave me a reminder of what I didn't like, as opposed to when I'm playing Terra Mystica, um, Kalis, some of those true Euro games. That because I I think I'm I'm a big fan of removing randomness from that style of game, whereas I like miniature games to have randomness to mm-hmm. settle, th- you know, buckets of dice, but. For like a game that's action placement, I don't like that element of randomness. Yes. Just like I wouldn't like it if I had to roll a dice to settle something in, in a game sure. where you build an engine and then roll a dice. I'm like, yeah. So that that was the one thing in the gameplay that I'd kind of forgotten. I think I lo- was looking through rose-colored glasses at Lords yeah. of Waterdeep with kind of the, the element of who I played it with and how, how it was fun and the D&D. And I saw the core of it. I'm like... I think there are games doing this and doing it better, and I don't know if um, you know the the gameplay that element holds up for me. But. Yeah, and, and, mm-hmm. I, you know we played it again as we did. We played it a couple times just to kind of as we did this the refresher review, and it, it's fun. But I, again, it's remembering like there's a like any not like like any, but in this worker placement game, you always have that kind of that frustration like. There's just I have nothing left. Like there's no good place for me. I'm burning this turn, and you know that I'm burning this turn, which is going to kill me because Ty got a really. Good, I just saw him finish a twenty point quest, right? And and so I'm falling behind. So there's that level of frustration with. And again, some of it is radness, right? If I did not, if a twenty point quest didn't come out for me when I went for it, yeah, and it came out for Ty. You're like you feel like you're kind of battling uphill. So there's been times when we play the game where you're like you feel like it's just against you. Um, and you know, and the randomness is is not there, and a little bit of the, um, and again, as Josh reminded me by giving me the mandatory quests, like mm-hmm. you can screw <laughs> over people, um, and again, early in the game, you could really, you know, you can screw people over, uh, I can and put people behind, behind, and they're never gonna game. like, yeah, never, maybe never recover, and some of that. So, um, but that's not necessarily you know unique to this game. I mean, worker placements all have. The, Part of the you know the charm of those is they are creating those choices and frustration with you only have so many choices to put things so it's um, yeah. it is what it is yeah so all right what um what do we think are we are we resurrecting this one will we play it again inside the next year or are we gonna kind of what in if so what are the elements that are causing you to say yeah let's play it more. Or are we going to cast it back into the graveyard and decide it's not the time for Lords of Waterdeep to rise again? And and why, I guess. So, Josh, what, what are your thoughts and where are you at on Lords of Waterdeep? I don't know. Being, being a Euro fan, I, I would like to play it uh, again. Um, I think there, it, the randomness does add a little bit of angst, I guess, I'll say. Um, but... I, I think there are ways to try to circumvent that within the game. So, like trying to take the first player turn, you know, using that as as one of the ways to to mitigate some of the, you know, grabbing the the better spots, so to speak, um, I, or or you know, not getting a good lord at the beginning, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think there's ways to mitigate that, and. and um, but yeah, I like to play a game just to have fun and not necessarily always win. So I, to me, this, this scratches that that Euro fan itch. So yeah, I will I will play it, and I would like to play it again this year. All right. So Josh is resurrecting Lords of Waterdeep. Troy, where are you at? So I'm 
I think it's fun every once in a while. So I think like every three years, I think it's one of the, so can I use like a altered carbon kind of thing? Yeah. So, you know, you can put people on ice for a while and then <laughs> like once re- a year, re-sleeve them. you resleeve them and you can bring it out. So I feel this is a game wow. every year, 18 months ish, you bring it out like, Oh, this is fun. You mm-hmm. play it and then you've played it and you're like, all right, I don't think we don't need to play this for a little while and sure and do that. So, but I think, yeah, I, I don't know that it's something I, I, uh, would stand the shelf never come out again because it uh, we've had fun every time it was fun to do this review and to pull it out and, and play it again after a little while i i think i also when we're all i think we have enough experience now that i would kind of pick and choose some of the expansion stuff because there's some things in there that are maybe make it a little unbalanced and you just like keep it closer to the core game yep and i think it's it's fine all right well i as always don't like it <laughs> What? Evidently, that's my my role. So I'm forced. Pessimist. I'm forced into this because I have a character to play. Uh, no, so Lords of Waterdeep. I I liked it back when we were playing it. I think it it back then fit into my more lighter game where I didn't want to spend four hours playing something. But now, the more I play some of the larger games and scope and complexity it doesn't have that any longer Mm -hmm. for me um and also i've been exposed to actually some like true euro games where you're sitting around the board for four hours playing through like grinding it out thinking building this engine over time lord's water deep's just too too limited too um you know you hear about feast of odin like a new one from ue rosen Mm -hmm. rosenberg where you have 61 action choices on the board. Like, that is a Euro game. <laughs> you know, 61 choices, and you're placing your, your actions. And you look at Terra Mystica, where you have all these different tracks and different things going on, where to assign resources and guys and, like, change the, the scope of the land. That is more what I look for now. And I just, I think I would probably leave this one in the, the back of the, the stack sure. of games. And there's plenty of other games that I want to play and need to play. And I, I don't think this is gonna launch itself back into the uh, um, the light of day. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it buried. Yep. And you're allowed as a, as a Euro gamer, you're allowed to allowed to do that. <laughs> See, because I hear I hear Feast of Odin, and I, I was ex- I, like, people were talking about Feast of Odin. And I'm like, oh, this looks pretty good. And then I got to that, and I'm like, 61 choices. I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> this does not sound like something that would go to. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, and, yeah. and I mean, certainly, it's it's um, obviously you've heard I think three pretty different opinions, mm-hmm. and and that's what. I kind of I hope to bring out in these resurrection reviews every so often is an old game that we obviously enjoyed at some point because yeah. we still think about yeah. it and uh, where where have our tastes shifted where have our you know likes and dislikes and different elements like looking at it now and picking up just because yeah. of how much we've played over the last five years <laughs> um, in different games I'm 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 getting a lot more nitpicky now. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think that's that's part of bringing back one of these old games. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, let's take a deep breath, and then we will wrap up and talk a little bit about some of the upcoming events that we talk about every uh, every episode, and uh, go through our contact information. All 
All right, guys. Well, that was a uh, a fun episode here. Our second one in the month. I'm optimistic we'll be able to keep this pace up. But we're moving into the month of July. That means that several events are right around the corner. We'll be talking about them um, in greater detail, I think, with our upcoming episodes. First is Midwest Meltdown, Age of Sigmar two-day tournament in Peoria, Illinois, July 21st through the 22nd. What is unique and interesting about Meltdown, other than it's hosted by the legend uh, Domus, it is going to be the first big uh, AOS 2.0, second edition. I don't think they're officially calling it second edition, but um, rule set, malign sorcery, uh, you know, new new point values, war scrolls, everything. So it's going to be the first big competitive tournament in at least our, our region uh, to see kind of what the new meta is like and, and what people bring. I think it'll be a lot of people testing things for future tournaments. Um, 62 players, so it should be a good mix. Uh, and that's coming right around the corner here, about four weeks out. So when does the player pack come out? Uh, probably first week in July. That's going to be it, it'll be, be a quick turnaround. It'll, yeah. yeah, so the, the rules will be out, and then the player pack will hit that first week. Right. Now, one of the things, you know, Domus is one of the U.S. playtesters, mm, so, so he's, he's familiar bit. with the rules. Yeah. So certainly as a TO, he has an advantage. You know, it's not like mm. it's brand new. It's not like when we ran Brew City Brawl <laughs> where we didn't have that insight, you know, yeah. other than rumor and speculation. He's He's been, you know, playtesting this for however long oh, they had so this in in the cycle. Um, so there's, there's certainly that connection. Then right after that, Gen Con 51, Gen Con 51. That sounds weird. Mm-hmm. The sellout part two. What is the Roman numeral? It would be. I don't know. L- L- I. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. L I. Yeah. Gen Con. Uh, August second. Con the lie. Gen Con the lie. The lie. The lie. Gen Con the lie. The great deceiver. Gen Con. Uh, August second through the fifth, downtown Indianapolis. Um, four fun days, maybe five days of of fun and excitement. Friends, the classic restaurants and bars. Uh, plenty of house cocktails, new games. Seeing what's out there. We will be doing a, a fairly comprehensive uh, preview of Gen Con here in either the next episode or, or the one after that, if we get two in in July, uh, where we'll talk in, in greater detail about Gen Con. Um, then we have a bit of a hiatus for events until October. And then same weekend, uh, October 19th through the 21st, you have Rock Con in Rockford, Illinois, and you have Dragonfall in Elmhurst, Illinois, more Chicago area. Same weekend, same general concept, tournaments, miniature gaming themed, uh, only about 90 miles away from each other. So, yeah, if that, um, yeah. <laughs> you could, you know, throw a football from one to the other. Yeah. I'm leaning towards Dragonfall. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Dragonfall is, is probably up there on, on my list. Um, then, uh, attend so, events at both places. <laughs> yeah. Friday Saturday on one, Saturday on the other. Oh, they're yeah. all Friday. Yeah. Friday. Commute. I think Rockon's on Friday, maybe too. So, commute like, back and forth, stay halfway between. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Buy double the badges. <laughs> double the badges, double the fun. Oh no, I left my Rockon badge back at my Dragonfall <laughs> table. <laughs> and then the weekend after that, or the week after that, it's more of a trade show. Essen in uh, Essen, Germany. Essen Spiel. Um, Anvilate will be there along with every other game company under the sun. Uh, and that is October 25th to the 28th. Um, Got to get that passport. 
That might be more than 90 miles away. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's significant. Oh, you drive back and forth. No, no, no. Ten hour flight, I think. Yeah. Get your passport, Ty. Yep. Terrified. I've been reminding you. T- terrified. Then I get back from that, and I have I think three days to get over jet lag, sober up, and dry out before I go down to Chicago for Holy Havoc. Uh, November 2nd through the 4th, it's a narrative doubles event, um, 20 teams, uh, so 40 players, and Steve Herner runs that, and the tables are amazing. He goes, it's truly narrative because the tables have rules and different things that interact with the armies, um, so Steve Steve's running that. That'll be a great time. The weekend after that, the infamous Game Hole Con uh, will make our triumphant return November 8th through the 11th. Uh, there might be some Basement of Death and Friends True Dungeon. Might be some board games played at the board game library. Some celebrity sightings. Heck, maybe I'll even get my uh, get my budding gear and run out Break Undead for the guys. So, um, I have been I've been told I have to run a, a game at a con. I never said who I could run it for. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's it. That's a big schedule. A lot of stuff. It's going to be a busy second half of the year. Um, but we will tell you about each and every one of those events and keep you connected to what's going on in gaming around you. And all we ask is that you find us on iTunes. You already found us, but keep finding us. <laughs> Review. Let us know what you think. Tell your friends. Tell your family. We try to keep it PG-13. Except well, for sometimes. Mostly. Yeah, Mostly. <laughs> Um, so find us on Facebook, Playin' and Slayin' Show, Twitter, at Playin' Slayin' Show, the website, basementofdeath.com. Troy always does an amazing job of writing up show notes, getting the link to the show, posting it out there. Um, and then email, so all of us, Ty, Josh, Troy, at basementofdeath.com. Or if it's more general information you're after, the always popular info at basementofdeath.com. <laughs> info is a great guy. Yeah, if you can't remember our names, you mm-hmm. can always send the info. Info. So, <laughs> I'm going to send an email to info. <laughs> see, what he, see what he says see back what to he me. Says. Hey, all info. Right. <laughs> well, that does it, guys. Thank you all for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Let's keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. question for you guys kind of a metaphysical one you ready Mm -hmm. all right so imagine a life where you spend most of your time on a tree right then you get taken off that tree you get put in probably a large box by a bunch of your friends you get jostled around you bounce you think you're traveling somewhere but you don't know you might as well be blindfolded because you're in this really thick corrugated cardboard box with all your friends super smashed in right okay you see the light of day, but then you're in this big store with fluorescent lighting. And then some some jerk comes and picks you up, squeezes you, kind of molests mm-hmm. you to see if you're the right 
you know, right firmness, mm-hmm. throws you in a shopping cart. Jostled around some more. You go on a conveyor belt and get brought home. You sit on a counter for a while. Then you get cut mm. into sections, mm. but you okay. die by drowning in booze. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> a lemon or a lime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. I thought it was an avocado for a little while. Oh, yeah, it could be. But avocado but, booze would be yeah. kind of strange. Yeah. I had apple in my head. Apple? No. Apple would work for booze. Yeah. But and then when we were heading, you know, we got sliced, then I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. now I'm a lime. But, I mean, is that a terrible life? You get a lot of time in the sun for only mm-hmm. probably a few short days of crap, like, because mm-hmm. you're not staying at the grocery store long. You're right. not staying on the counter long. Maybe you get thrown out unused. You're getting picked pretty quick. But you're getting picked, you know, mm-hmm. when you're ripe. Yep. So you've had the time to grow up, have a good long life as a lion. <laughs> and then you drown in booze, how all the great ones go. Yeah. You know what's funny is there's probably a children's book that describes that. Read by Samuel L. Jackson. Minus the murder. Because <laughs> I was the, reading. The forced drowning. <laughs> I was. I read one once that was about a bunch of cupcakes. Oh. And, like, and he was sad. Because all his friends got eaten and he didn't, and I'm like, you should be celebrating. Yeah. Like you're the one who made it. And that he was like, the whole book was about how he was so sad because he was a plain cupcake, sole oh, survivor. He, that's because he wasn't Funfetti. If right. he was Funfetti, he would have got eaten. Yeah. Or Red yeah. Velvet, yeah. Red Velvet, yeah, instant true. death. Yeah, they was. Like, there was like a friend. Like they right. introduce them all, and then next page, oh, and look, end of the party. I'm the only one left. It's so sad. All right, carrot cake, cupcakes, or mm. carrot cake squares. Oh. Both? Can I go both? I have to choose. I, I'm gonna. I usually. I am not a cupcake person, but I would say a carrot cake cupcake is usually they have like, ex like the frosting on a carrot cake cupcake is amazing and yeah. it, it steps it up like that. Especially if it's like that cream cheese frosting. Yeah. yeah. Right. But if you do that on the cake too, like. But you usually don't tough. have like it's the. Usually don't have that. like two inches of it. Yeah, you uh, don't get that mound, the dollop yeah. mound. Sure, on the, top. the little cupcake holder thing yeah. holds it in. Yeah, no, I hear you. Oh. All right, well, that's all I had for you guys. Thanks. It's good. Yeah. It's good.